The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, Episode 10. Janet West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. Joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. How's it going, Jack? Going well. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today we are discussing the 10th episode of the first season of Stargate SG-1, Thor's Hammer. In this episode, it opens with Daniel Jackson explaining to General Hammond and the rest of, rest of the SG-1 team that there are a lot of similarities between Norse mythology and things they have been seeing on their trips through the Stargate. Uh, they end up going to this planet called a Samaria, where there's a giant Celtic-looking uh, Thor's hammer device. It ends up beaming away Teal'c and Daniel, or uh, not Daniel Jackson, um, Jack O'Neill. Uh, they disappear. They meet up with the Celtic peoples on the planet. They encounter a woman named Kendra, who is a former Gold host. She explains to Daniel Jackson and Samantha Carter that Jack O'Neill and Teal'c have been transported to a labyrinth where all the gold are sent when they try to attack that planet. In the labyrinth, Teal'c and Jack O'Neill uh, encounter Unas, who is a primordial uh, creature who is the, of the first race that was taken over by the gold. And they, they defeat the creature, and they end up escaping the labyrinth. And in the labyrinth, there is a device that could be used to kill the gold uh, creature without harming the host. They believe they could use that to perhaps help uh, Skara and Shari, but they end up having to destroy the device to get Teal'c out of the labyrinth. And they leave with the hope that they can someday help Skara and Shari because Kendra was able to return from being taken over by the gold. I really like this episode. Yeah, it's, it's it's finally getting good. We're finally getting a couple of good episodes after so many clunkers we've had to deal with. We're finally getting good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this definitely expands the mythology uh, of the show. This episode here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like how it lays a lot of that stuff out. I was looking up. This is the first reference we get to the gold actually being referred to as the system lords rather than just the individual gold. At one point, Kendra, the former host, references Marduk, who is, um, I'm assuming we're going to see him as a gold later on, but that is an ancient Babylonian god, so we're getting further expansion upon how basically all ancient mythical gods from Earth are actually He's, gold, or their their identities are assumed by gold, so that was cool to see. Well, another, another thing we get here is we find out that there are other, there's potentially another group of aliens, which we learn eventually is the Asgard, mm-hmm. that have been on Earth and have been helping humanity fight against the Gwauld, um, and that the Asgards are the ones who created Thor's hammer. Although, at this point, Chris Hemsworth didn't step out as Thor. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and we also get, I think, maybe the first mention that the Gwauld uh, didn't build the Stargate right. Network. Mm-hmm. Right. That that they would have been built by somebody else, or other aliens could have been uh, 
could have been uh, using it as well. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of firsts in this episode. First mention of uh, Teal'c symbiote as Junior, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which which is a going concern for the next five or six seasons. Well, I, I like the, the fact they brought up specifically that the Gwold are parasites. So that would also go with their use of technology. That they wouldn't they wouldn't waste the energy to develop their own technologies. They would just steal other people's technologies and use them because mm-hmm. they're a parasite. That's what parasites do. Parasites steal the energy of the body and reuse it for their own. Yeah. So lots, lots of really good stuff uh, in this, in this episode, liked, uh, you know, lots of uh, great guest stars in this episode, shall we say? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We get a James Earl Jones uh, voicing Unas, who is the primordial creature in the labyrinth. And as Teal'c says, he's a myth from gold history. And they're the first creatures that the gold took as hosts. Yep. They evolved on the same planet as the gold and, and a little bit later on in the in the series, we do get to visit that planet and experience a little bit more about Unas culture, and they have a very interesting culture. I, sh- I like the Unas episodes a lot. Nice. That'll be cool it, to see. It is interesting that this one, the Unas, makes it sound like he is the first, and we don't know that for a fact, that he was the first to take a, to be taken on as a Gwauld host, but he is definitely part of the race that did that. But I don't know if they had developed yet this idea that there actually had been this was he was one of a number of races of that race that had been become Gwauld host until they decided, you know what, those humans work so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Lucid? What were your thoughts on the episode? Um, You know, I liked it. I have to say I'd forgotten all about the Unas part. So that was a little bit of a surprise for me when I watched it again. I don't know how I forgot that, especially the James Earl Jones part. But no, I, I agree with everything you have said so far. That's why I've been so quiet because it is. It, I'd forgotten how so much of a leap forward this episode was mm-hmm. in in really setting out what's to come and talking about the Asgard who are going to become very important to us later. And uh, really, I think this episode also solidified Tilk's place in the team. You know, I mean, think about it. They could have just left them. Hey, here's some snacks. We'll go, you know, we're going to go figure out another way. We're going to pop open a panel and, you know, keep this around because Share and Scara are so important. But they didn't. And they they saved him and destroyed what could have been, you know, saving savior for their friends. Oh, <laughs> they they didn't just destroy it. Jack was extremely cold here and made yeah. Daniel destroy the only <laughs> device that could possibly save his wife. Right. Anybody could have shot it, except for, you know, Teal. Yeah. But at, at least at least Daniel didn't sit there and whine about it for five minutes. <laughs> that is true. And I almost felt like that scene, and I don't know if this was an intentional or not, but it felt like a callback to in the movie where they have him going to be the one who shoots everybody. And so at least yeah. at least on a visual level, that seemed to be a callback, but that could just be a coincidence. But yeah, so there's the device in the labyrinth, which is essentially a giant Thor's hammer shaped gate. And if any gold goes through it, it will kill the symbiont without harming the host. Mm-hmm. And the whole moral issue is if Teal goes through it, it's going to kill his symbiote and I guess irrevocably damage him. It didn't really make it clear, but I'm assuming that the Jaffa without their hosts are unable to function that seems to be what the implication is well they they, they said uh that basically the gold becomes his uh immune system right so the gold gives them all these benefits but then that means the jaffa don't have a natural immune system like the rest of humanity does mm-hmm. 
And we do learn later how, how long, I guess, how long they have once they lose a symbiote. They can live a very short time. So mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I also thought it was funny that uh, they didn't really even look at any other ways. Like, could we just dig a tunnel around this one spot or is the entire thing completely <laughs> shielded? And it was fairly easy to destroy. Like, he hit that one time, like, just kind of taking a blind shot and that took it out. So yeah. I thought that was funny. I, I did like the scene where, you know, the, the staff weapon doesn't work. The Unos says, your weapons don't work here. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, he just lights them up. <laughs> <laughs> Your weapons can't kill me. Yeah, I know the secrets of the labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, that was good. We also finally got um, which I feel like was a missed opportunity in um the broken divide. We finally got our labyrinth. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah we did. So although it's not much of a labyrinth, uh, you know Kendra, who is the uh, the. The former Gould talks about how there are these really long corridors leading to rooms and the labyrinth is this really complex thing. And um, Jack and Teal pretty much run in a straight line and come to the end of it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> very quickly. Although, to be to be clear, we're not we're not sure how long uh, it seems like a couple of days that uh, uh, Carter and Daniel Jackson are walking through British Columbia. Um, <laughs> but it did, I did want to mention the character of Kendra because she's. Actually, pretty interesting when you think about it. Um, her homeworld is a place called uh, Jabana, and they worship uh, the Gould uh, Marduk. I was thinking he might be like this Great Dane cartoon dog or something, but I think it's probably Marmaduke. But, but, but uh, you know, once she comes to the planet and her Gould is killed, she converts to Thorism like pretty completely like you know she's interpreting signs in the weather as being you know thor's will or the valkyrie and so it's really interesting to see this character having been kind of saved and redeemed by thor kind of uh adopting uh you know that as her religion now which i think kind of makes sense yeah. you know. yeah i mean if you were saved from that kind of life then makes yeah so was this the first time we saw her, the healing device used i think so because I, yeah. They set it up like it's the brain frying device that uh, Ra has used. Mm-hmm. It's a very inefficient way to kill people, but so I think <laughs> yeah. that, that was yeah. yeah. Jack was straight up going to just shoot her. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to comment too. Is that I mean, this, this shows uh, that those who had been hosts can use Gaul technology? Mm-hmm. You know, later, uh, and that that's something they'll come back to. Again, you know, that, that there's actually, there is that connection from the Gaul to the technology. And once the Gaul dies, the former host can still use that technology. I did also think it was interesting that instead of just using the gold insecticide, basically machine on the host, they make them, I guess, hang out in that labyrinth until they die rather than just like going straight for that. So that was interesting why the Asgard decided to do that that way. Was that where they were showing great reverence for the human, that they didn't want to hurt the human mm-hmm. in order to destroy the well, gold? Well, because the d- device doesn't kill the human host. It just kills the gold. True. So I don't know why they would just go straight to that rather than letting him starve to death. I, I almost feel like it's a little bit of a, a torture, if you will, to the gold. Yeah. Uh, because, of course, as, as, uh, as Hollow Thor says... Uh, that you you have no worshippers, your weapons do not work here. You have no power, and so now you're going to live in this isolation. And when you're finally done, when you're finally done with the isolation, you can leave and die, but mm-hmm. your human host will remain. 
paraphrase. I don't remember the exact lines, yeah. but it's something yeah. to that extent. And it, it's, it is an interesting, interesting choice uh, on the part of the Asgard High Council to do it this way. And again, that's another concept that we hear for the first time is the High Council, which we will hear again and again and again, especially once we actually meet the Asgard instead of just the hollow version of it, which, by the way, they don't look like the yeah. hollow version. <laughs> no. no, yeah, I do know that that is which coming. Is, um, which is why I got such a, a, a big kick out of the line. You're a little short for gods, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. When it, when in fact, the actual gods are even shorter yep. than, than humans. But but yeah, the Thor's motives are, are a little weird. So the whole thing with the labyrinth, but then also, um, uh, is it Gerwin? Uh, she mentions, oh yeah, Thor Thor brought us here from Earth to keep us safe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and gave us the hammer to keep us safe. It's like, well, wouldn't you guys have been safe on Earth? <laughs> you know, because we had <laughs> we had Vikings there and they they, you know, turned out just fine, I guess, you know. But it is kind of weird that Thor would just like pick up a subset of like Vikings, bring them to this planet and leave them. It's, he has but, the same attitude as Elon Musk, I guess. It's his backup planet. Yeah. yeah. There we go. I like all the world building that goes on in this episode. And you get more than just here's individual planets. You're getting the, the system lords. You get the Asgard High Council. So it's cool to see all that coming together. And I'm really excited to see where that yeah. all goes. I still want to know... Um, I want to know why everyone speaks English, though. I know that that's just a a conceit for television, but because it's easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's not even a there's not even a universal translator hand wave going on. Yeah, it's it's not like Star Wars where they just everybody speaks their own language and they they pretend like they all they all understand each other. Although speaking of that, I did like the uh, the the little version of the golden record, you know, um, that uh, the Sagan Institute makes for for uh, the, the Stargate program to give as like a, you know, gift uh, representative, um, you know, gift for other, you know, cultures and, and civilizations that they meet. So I think, I think that was a nice touch and, you know, definitely something you would want to, to bring with you on all of your, all of your trips. Although I don't think we ever see it again. Mm-mm. So I have a question about it. Is it a box? What is it? Yeah. yeah. It's a box. I think it was like, a, yeah, like a box. That has like See, the, the golden record type thing that they put yeah. on the mixtapes, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> n- newspaper clippings, old letters. Let's say know, the way the coupons, yeah, the way the boxes, it looks like it looks like something you'd buy that would be like the complete Led Zeppelin or something, just with the art on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I figured like a fancy CD case or something. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, like she, yeah, yeah. she hands him a rock. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah. oh, I got a box. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it, you know and you can imagine we don't we don't see it again as far as i can recall but you can imagine that they would have it as part of their their load out on the map you know they'd have one hiding there somewhere kind of like daniel did where he just oh great and he stuck it on there you know i mean it's it's it, it would make sense it would make sense to do something like that since that's something we have done before like you mentioned the the record on on the voyager mm-hmm. ships and yeah. things like that so it it's funny because I was watching this with our eight year old and he saw the box. He's like, "Oh, like the golden record." And I was like, "How do you know about the golden record?" Like that was that was like thirty years, forty years before you were born. Nice. Maybe listen yeah. to the SoundCloud mixtape of it that NASA put up. Oh, neat! Yeah. I'll have to check yeah. that out. Yeah. We can put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Of course, that brings up the meme of uh, you know from the aliens. Stop sending us your nude pictures and your address. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that does. Um, I would like to see the behind the scenes of the first contact committee for SG One. I don't know if that's something that the show gets into later, but of course, in real life, if you're going to be doing, 
Nope. No. SG one is the first contact. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They make all the rules themselves Shoot. as they go. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Shoot first. Ask questions this, this, later. This, yeah. yeah, it's definitely not Star Trek where <laughs> there's like, oh yes, this is how you handle first contact. It's like, no, they walk through the pla- they walk through, and this is about as good as first contact yeah. gets. And they usually go, Daniel, yep. you're up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no prep at all. Are your weapons better than ours? Can we yeah. have one? It's pretty much. <laughs> this is America. We have good weapons. You fight the gold. Here you go. Oh, you have better weapons than we do. We want yours instead. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's kind of a missed opportunity. Who knows? Maybe now with, with Amazon buying uh, buying up MGM, you know, maybe we'll have new Stargate. Maybe that's what, one of them will be like SG two following up SG one. You know what? How do they do handle second contact? You know, kind of like lower decks on Star Trek. You know, the second contact ship. Yeah, I was about to say, you could do a lower deck style. Uh, <laughs> people have to go back and. Uh, Take care of all the problems that the first first contact Clean crew up. started. Yeah. <laughs> We're the cleanup crew for SG1. <laughs> they need one. <laughs> yeah. I did actually read some news on, uh, you know, how there's been that, that rumor floating around that they're going to do another, mm-hmm. another show mm-hmm. or something. And I did just read something that came out last week that Amanda Tapping said that she'd been asked if she would be interested mm-hmm. In not only being in it, but in directing it. Ooh, oh, cool! Nice. So that'll be cool. Of course, to see. she also said in the interview she really wants to be a like four star general now. You know, well, sure. She's, she's got to got to get her rank up. Yeah, and I, I will say that they they definitely get promoted fairly quickly on this show. <laughs> I mean, they're in unprecedented <laughs> situations, though, so I feel like yeah. they kind of deserve it. <laughs> I, I, I think every time you save the entire planet, you should get a promotion. Yeah, at but, least, I mean. Yeah. So do they publicize promotions or are there like other people in the Air Force who are going, what's going on over there? Like, why do they keep? <laughs> you know, the, the, the funny part is they do, especially when you get to higher ranks like general. It's, you know, okay. when, you know, like when I when I put on senior airmen, it was just, you know, kind of a bullet, you know, a bullet point in the, the base newspaper that I was one of this many senior airmen for the, the month or whatever. But when you get to the point of like a higher officer, higher NCO, yeah, they do actually publicize that pretty widely. And I, I'm sure they'd have some cover story of, you know, well, they're, in, you know, Cheyenne Mountain. So they're just working for NORAD. They're just really re- doing really, really good job for NORAD. I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder um, how that works in the real world military. And Father Corey, you may know more about this. Um, but how do they handle promotions with people who are working on class of highly classified projects like that? Like I'd imagine like, the people working for like skunk works or something like you're not going to, you're not going to know what they're doing. So are you going to know when they get promoted? You know, a lot of times I think you only would see uh, just like name and what unit they're with. And Mm -hmm. most of the time that's, especially for, for something top secret, I could imagine they would have a unit quote unquote that they belong to. That's not the real unit. Right. Um, You know, name, name base and, yeah, so it's not yeah. name, unit, and base. So it's it's not like, unless you really know, you're really in the know of these top secret things, it's not going to matter. You mm-hmm. know, it's no one's going to really know. Because, it, yeah, it's it, you realize when you've got a military that's hundreds of thousands of people and that's just one branch, you're not going to know, oh, this, this general, yeah, I know who that is, unless you happen to run across them in your career. Right. Yeah, definitely. And actually... Next season, the first episode we see with Jacob Carter, uh, Sam's dad, she's actually going to Washington to receive an accommodation. And I think the cover story is like, you know, a, a, some sort of paper or some research she did on weather or something mm-hmm. or, you know, solar flares or something. Mm-hmm. 
you know, instead of saving the world yeah. uh, from the ghoul. Deep space telemetry. Yeah. That yeah. was it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, and she yeah. is the only character in this episode who really didn't have anything to do, except yeah. for argue with yeah. Daniel. It's, yeah, except being kind of cranky. <laughs> like, how do you know we're going the right direction? Like, and Daniel's like, I mean, they're hundred. I mean, what, what, what do you want from me? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, we come from the land of ice and snow, from the midnight sun, where the hot springs flow. Hammer <laughs> of the gods. They just need to drive what their ships want? to new lands. Yeah. yeah. To call back to your uh, Led Zeppelin uh, yeah. reference earlier. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, she did kind of get put in charge all of a sudden when, you know, her commanding officer vanished in a puff of light. So, I mean, <laughs> that that kind of that kind of would make anybody cranky if like, okay, now what do I got to do? Now I've got to handle Daniel? Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. He's not listening. <laughs> and it is kind of funny, too. You know, they break for the credits and they come back. So when when before they break to the credits, they're surrounded by the Sumerians. And then when they come back, you know, the Sumerians have gone away on foot to get their chief, uh, you know, their, mm-hmm. their chiefess, and she comes in on, on, you know, horse and stuff. So probably they were gone for a couple of hours. And when they get back, like, you know, Daniel and Sam are still standing there arguing about, <laughs> yeah. like, what happened? You know, yeah. And like they, they take the most logical assumption, which is it, it killed them, which if I was going to set up some sort of giant device that was supposed to like point defend a gate, I would have it be a death death shot but yeah. i guess the asgards like to go the long way with that just like the gold right just just move yeah. it to later M- maybe they'll have time to escape i don't know <laughs> yeah well it's, it's again it's you know it, it was to it was in many ways to torture the gold themselves you know yeah. so you could you could understand that but um but i i got a kick out of you know as as the device is powering up they all start chanting thor 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 <laughs> yeah. thor thor, thor. <laughs> i like how no one moves out of the way they're just what? like they're just yeah. like standing there like, oh, I wonder what this giant thing is about to do. And then Jack's like, get out of there. Yeah. It's like, what? I'm standing like, where am I going to yeah. get out of? Yeah. yeah. yeah but like, then Jack's like, Daniel, power it up. Let's go home. And Daniel's like, wait, but let's have a whole discussion about it. Yes. Like no one. Of course. Yeah. Something's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel really needs yeah, to that- learn to just take orders instead of talking back to his superior officer. Yeah, I, I think I, yeah. I think he fears that out about season 11. Oh, wait, there are yeah. only 10 seasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of hand waving too at the fact that you have this protected planet that suddenly isn't protected anymore because you wanted to save one guy instead of bring bringing him back maybe some sandwiches and a box of comic books and say, look, hang out here for a little bit. We'll get you know Share and Scara back, and then once we save them, we'll blow up the device. And uh, you we, know, we actually see them again, don't we? This planet. Yes, yes, we do. Yep. Uh, the Thor's chariot, and they have to another catherine powers episode i believe and they do have to kind of make things right yeah. after messing it up well uh you know um they could hand you know they could have hand tilk you know some sandwiches and some stuff to drink and everything and a whole bunch of c4 to blow up around the thing so they don't actually wreck <laughs> yeah. the thing itself yeah there was no even they didn't even hand wave that like i feel like they they could have corrected that with one line of dialogue just saying the entire mountain is shielded and so we have to yeah. penetrate through this door but they don't do that they're just like we're going to shoot it without even asking any questions. Well, they even, they even had the line about how water and, you know, like several hundred years would eventually wear out the wall. But all, all they would have to do is, you know, you know, okay, well, let's see if we can blast through this rock, take a shot at the wall and have a, like a force field immediately flare up where it hit the wall. Oh, okay. I guess that won't work. Right. Isn't you that know? what they did to get them out of the prison in the very first episode? Was they blasted through the rock? Yeah, yeah they, they do. With the, yeah, with it weapon, Yep. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, it I mean, it was convenient. You had a time frame. You gotta you gotta finish the episode. 
But, you know, security by obscurity is a perfect way to do security, right? <laughs> if no one knows that the yeah. security device is down, then it should still be secure, right? Exactly. <laughs> we'll see that next season. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, only blocking the ports, you know, people are going to try to hit on your firewall and leaving everything else open. Um, I did like Teal'c's, Teal'c recognizes or that the um, the Unas is is not unlike our, our vampire myths, uh, you know, mm-hmm. these ancient ones and stuff. And he, he uses the, uh, you know, the the more classical vampire instead of vampire. Mm. So it's, it's cool to see that Teal'c's a fan of the literature. Nice. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I, I really I really like this episode. I like the creature design of the Unas. It's very, uh, very creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, yeah, and what they do with that that species, you know, later on, like I said, it's 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 really uh, really cool. Mm-hmm. But oh, and a nice use of the passive voice there by uh, by Teal'c too. After they've just blasted this thing, you know, smithereens, and he leans down and says, "Oh, you know, the the host will not survive. You know, there's too much damage." I was like, "Oh yeah, where'd that damage come from?" Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you guys, but, poor dude's been yeah. hanging out there for thousands of years and. That's how he's got to go. Yeah, was, the damage was caused by them, not by the device. So, yeah, the damage. Yeah, it was it was uh, Jack's bullets that took took care of the creature, and then the device took care of the gold that was keeping the creature alive. Mm-hmm. Of course, then if we think about it, how old was the creature? How long had he been there? So, mm-hmm. as we see in future seasons, if the host uh, a gold has been keeping the host alive much longer than its natural life, when the host when the gold dies host ages mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and dies so could have gone that way too i also want to know what's the healing like on that big open wound you got on your stomach <laughs> yeah like i don't think it doesn't seem like the uh the people on that planet had any sort of antiseptic or something i think that'll about uh wrap it up uh father cory did you have anything else to add nope nothing what about you lisa nope i i just liked uh Tilk thinking the creature's dead and he's not dead it's a myth that he can heal Maybe it's just a nightmare that's told to, or you know, bedtime story told to young Jaffa. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are certainly a lot of Jaffa myths. <laughs> yeah. You know, that planet's a myth. The Unas is a myth. You know, lots of myths and obscure dialects in the Jaffa uh, culture there. Yeah. And we'll hear more as we go along. Nice. Mm-hmm. What about you, Victor? Uh, nope, that was it, but... I uh, just had to ask, are you considering the same tactic as I? <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was like a, that was a bit of a reach. But yeah. um, well, before we go, I'd like to uh, th- take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Mary C., Zane C., Joshua S., Peter O., and Matthew K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting StarQuest to 6686. Send StarQuest to 6686. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, The Torment of Tantalus. Until then, Father Cory, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thanks, Jack. Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. 
and Victor Lambs. Thank you, too. Thanks, Jack. And once again, I'm Jack Barazzini. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think?